This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Fail here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. The black bear in Mississippi have a storied history together, dating back to the days of President Theodore Roosevelt. So today on the show, we welcome Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to talk about the black bear and the black bear program. We'll get an update on the bear population, where they're found, and what to do if you come face-to-face with one of these mighty giants. Also, Dr. Major and Libby are here for pet questions and brushes with nature. So join our conversation this morning with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 or email animals at mpbonline.org. Always remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday morning, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, before we jump into things, uh, a recommendation. My coworker, our coworker here at MPB, Liz Gill, uh, recommended to me a show. Uh, that if you are a dog lover and have Amazon Prime, I think you'll find especially enjoyable, even if you're not a dog lover. It's a, it's a fun show. It's called Pack, and it's basically uh, 12 dog owners and their dogs are divided up into teams, and then they travel around the world uh, doing all kinds of uh, um, challenges and that sort of thing. Uh, before the show started, the owners, and these are just everyday dogs. They're not, you know, specially trained, but they did go through a little training session at the beginning of the show. And so in the first episode, uh, some of the dogs had to uh, sniff out uh, some puzzle pieces that were scented with something. Some other dogs had to balance little uh, dishes of food on their backs and bring them to a table. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is a competition, so there's that involved to it. But it, like I say, if you're a dog lover and have Amazon Prime, that might be one to add to your watch list. And I think the entire of season one is on there, uh, so you should be able to binge that if you, if you need to. So, uh, Libby, you're still out there in Oregon. Uh, what what are you seeing out there on the West Coast? Oh, gosh, lots of birds, lots of waterfowl. Uh, we're seeing bald eagles, uh, swans. Of course, that's new for us. Uh, they're... A, a lot of trumpeter swans close by. We go to the Finley Wildlife Refuge. And, of course, that's something we recommend all over the country. And Mississippi has some wonderful uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, supervises them. And oh, Becky Rosamond, our guest today, is uh, a biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So she's will talk a little bit about that possibly. And um, the refuges all over the country are wonderful places to go and look for wildlife, of course. So we've been seeing geese and swans and all kinds of ducks and beautiful things. Saw so Roosevelt elk yesterday which is of course something very different that we couldn't see in mississippi a large relative of the white-tailed deer and we've been looking for bear there are a lot of bear in oregon compared to mississippi they think as many as thirty thousand bear spread around the state and um we haven't seen one yet but we're hoping that we might uh, what about the weather? We checked in earlier with you, and you said it was kind of uh, rainy and cold, which I guess is, is maybe, uh, you know, normal for this time of year there out there. But what's the weather been like? 
We had wonderful sunshine the last couple of days, which is wonderful, but it's been colder. But I think about what it has been in Mississippi, the lows in uh, the mid-20s and then the highs, uh, low 40s. So, um, and it'll probably pretty much stay that way. We'll be freeze a little bit at night and then, um, uh, you know, warm up just enough to to thaw everything out in the day is generally typical of here in Corvallis. So, but uh, we'll probably have a lot more rain than Mississippi will have for the next month. Uh, at least in central Mississippi, we're here. We haven't quite gotten that cold uh, yet. Still uh, temperatures, I think, uh, maybe in the 60s yesterday, but, but we've had some good sunny weather, but it is supposed to, uh, a system supposed to move through today. So, uh, but you know, this, I like this time of year before it gets too absolutely cold in the dead of winter. Uh, when we have these nice sunny days, it is nice to get out and, and do something uh, in the cool, uh, but sunny weather. So knowing that in the days ahead, we might not have that opportunity. Yes, I miss Mississippi's December. So you guys get outside and enjoy it. It's a wonderful time to take walks and Uh, Dr. Major, this is uh, the Christmas season, and a lot of times families uh, decide to add a pet to their family during the holidays. Uh, What are some things that, uh, on the front end, people should consider uh, when they think about getting a new pet? Great question. Uh, A lot of times we uh, do impulse buying, which is not a good idea. And a lot of the pets, let's put it this way, a lot of the pets, you go back to your prior knowledge, and uh, people that love a particular breed are going to go back and get that particular breed. Uh, if you understand what I'm saying, whether it's a boxer or a bulldog or, a, you know, it's any type of dog, you know what you like already. However, sometimes the first time puppy, uh, what should I say, puppy owner, uh, I would check the shelters, make sure you know kind of what you're looking for. And a lot of times the eye contact uh, with a puppy or a dog uh they know that, hey, this is somebody that can, uh, you know, I can uh, get along with. So you have to kind of be careful, but do your research and uh, be aware of uh, the fact that all of them, whether they're a shelter animal or whether it's a new puppy uh, from somewhere else, they need to be checked out and be sure that they're okay. But I would imagine that if you bring the whole family along, especially maybe if you have younger kids, that this might be really, you know, a fun, exciting time to uh, bring them along to help them uh, pick out the new the new pet. Absolutely. And uh, as I said, impulse type uh, picking a dog out or a cat, uh, a lot of times that is not the best thing. Sometimes you have to kind of think about it before you uh, get a particular dog. A lot of times it will have a dog that... Uh, you say, hey, it's a cute puppy, but then it gets to be 85, 90, 100 pounds, <laughs> and you've got, you've got some issues maybe from the standpoint of size in your house. So think ahead. That's the main thing I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I think that that's uh, the case. And I also, you know, I would think you'd need to keep in mind puppies are going to do things that puppies do, like chew up things and that sort of thing. So, again, exactly. uh, you've got to be prepared to, to put up with, with uh, puppy behavior. Um, but then, um, what are some other things that uh, families need to think about in terms of, you know, long care, care for, for pets, the feeding and that kind of thing? Right. And there, you know, I was just thinking, uh, you know, there are a host of kittens and, uh, cats up for adoption and dogs. And it's good to, uh, 
think about the total cost of keeping an animal. For example, our, our dogs, especially here in Mississippi, they've got to be on heartworm prevention year-round. There's a cost with that. A good quality food is important. Uh, and I'm not going to name brands right now, but certainly the quality of food is one of the things that uh, really helps from the standpoint of overall uh, well-being, hair coat, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, cost-wise, a lot of people like cats because maybe they're not quite as expensive as dogs. On the other hand, cats have issues as well, and they do need veterinary care. So I'm just saying that you have to think in terms of what you're going to do and how much it costs would be. Uh, certainly there's some places online that you can go to and see what the average cost of uh, pet care is. Uh, here in Mississippi, I suspect we're on the lower end of the cost uh, compared to uh, coastal cities uh, and some of the larger metropolitan areas. And I know I've, I've complained about this before. We're well, not complained, but mentioned if, if if you do adopt a cat and you get one like mine, just be ready for him to continually knock things off the counter, and he will pick out certain things. I just this is what gets me about it. He there are certain things in that my house that he will go out of his way to knock. I mean, he'll be walking along and he sees it, and he'll have to knock it off the counter, and it's. It's funny, but it's a little bit <laughs> aggravating as well. So I'm learning to keep the things that he likes to knock around maybe out of paw reach. That's for sure. <clears throat> that's a good point, yes. And, uh, you know, they knock things off because they can. <laughs> and uh, what was that saying we had? That, um, if the world was flat, the cats would knock everything <laughs> off. And some cats are worse than others. But they do pick certain things that they would like to uh to knock off the table or knock off wherever. And uh, I have one cat, he's 16 pounds, and it's amazing how he can negotiate around things without knocking anything <laughs> off. And rarely, rarely does he do it. On the other hand, another cat uh, will knock things off just to see it fall, I think. You're right. When when they need to be, they're very nimble. But uh, when they come across something that isn't is in their way or whatever, they will just knock that right off of there. Uh, what about with a new puppy? Would you recommend if uh, there's training available in the area to maybe from an early age uh, get some training? I think that's very important. And usually, uh, you know, in a puppy, you get a puppy say seven weeks old, seven, eight, nine weeks old. The main things you're looking at then would be house training, house you know house breaking if you want to call it that, and I highly recommend crate training as a as a uh, method of uh, getting the puppy used to going outside or going to a, a pad uh, to urinate and defecate. Uh, letting a puppy have the run of the house immediately, oftentimes will be an issue because. Uh, uh, they love uh, how a carpet feels, and they're going to urinate or defecate on that carpet. It feels good on their feet when you think about it. And uh, cats, remember the saying that we have with our cats is one litter box per cat plus one. And uh, that really saves a lot of problems. I feel like a lot of times cats get returned to uh, rescue-type uh, operations simply because of improper uh, urination and defecation, uh, which certainly uh, you can try to help control by making adequate litter and litter boxes. 
So as you said at the beginning here, do your research, do some homework, and uh, make sure that the marriage between pet and family uh, is a good one for your family. So, And it's, it's amazing also uh, now with all the uh, things that you can do online as far as going and learning about training, and you can do a lot of this yourself, uh, and there are people available in the area which can help you uh, with training, but it is important. It's nothing worse than an unruly dog. When I say worse, an unruly dog that is out of control. Well said. Uh, time for our first break of the hour. When we get back, we'll welcome to the show Becky Rosamond as a biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. She's worked closely with the animals of the state and is here today to talk about the black bear that roamed Mississippi's woods. From the health of the bear population to tips when coming face-to-face with one of these creatures, we'll have that information for you and more, so stay tuned. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. We're back on Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. If you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We welcome to the show now our guest for this morning, Becky Rosamond, a biologist with the Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, thanks, Becky, for being on the show and for being on the show with such short notice. We were scheduled to have Richard Rummel from the Black Bear Program on the show, but he got called to the field to handle a bear problem. Any idea what he's dealing with this morning? Um, I believe he's got a situation where a, a bear is uh, in a neighborhood, and he's trying to um, get the bear into a safe situation so that um, it's not, not going to cause any problems for anyone. Um, Liz Gill, our co-worker, found an article about a black bear being spotted in Jones County in late November by a bus driver just walking down the road. So are these kind of uh, encounters of bears and human populations uh, rare, or are they a little bit more common than we might think? Um, in general, we, um, we don't have a large black bear population. Um, our estimate right now is about 200 bears in the state, give or take. Um, it is just an estimate, but we are um, starting to, to see more bear as the population increases, and so you can expect to have more encounters. I would not say they're common. Um, for the most part, black bears are, are pretty secretive, and you could very easily have one um, on your property and not realize it. Uh, we mentioned that you worked with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. If you would, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Um I work for the uh, the National Wildlife Refuge System. I'm actually stationed in Grenada with the North Mississippi Refuges Complex. And so um, our refuges are located in the Mississippi Delta and are primarily waterfowl refuges. So um, my duties with Fish and Wildlife Service are primarily to um, do habitat management plans and um, conduct wildlife surveys, not just for waterfowl, but then for some of our other species as well. Um, I've, uh, let's see, I went to um, Virginia Tech for my undergraduate degree in wildlife management, 
and um, then went on to get a master's in biology at Towson University in Maryland. Um, and then beginning in 1999, began working for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, with the refuges. So do you remember how your interest in, in wildlife began? Um, I've always been interested in wildlife, but when I was in high school, I was given an opportunity to volunteer at a nature center and started off doing um, some animal care, but then also um, environmental education programs and worked with some really great naturalists there who encouraged me to, um, to go on into the wildlife field. Quite honestly, before I started working there, I, I didn't really realize that jobs like this existed. So it was, uh, it was very eye-opening and a, a good move for me. Um, tell us a little bit about the black bear program. Is the main goal to track and study black bears here in Mississippi? Um, so part of it is to um, kind of monitor how the population's doing. Um, part of, and so part of that is a research component, both um, figuring out where they are in the state as well as um, you know where they're moving to. But all of our bears are coming in from neighboring states. And so there's um, some research that is getting underway now with Mississippi State that they're going to be doing some genetic work, um, looking at exactly where our bears are coming from. And so we know we've got some inflow from um, the Mobile population in Alabama coming across in southeast Mississippi. Um, but the majority of our bears have come across the, the Mississippi River. Um, most of our bear population right now is on the, the western part of the state, um, within the delta in southwest Mississippi, and then, like I mentioned, a, a small coastal population that's probably coming over from Mobile Bay. Um, and so part of the black bear program is to um, track and monitor the population. Um, but then part of it, too, is just to um, educate the public and basically get ahead of the curve so that we don't create nuisance bears. Um, some states have, ha have large bear populations, and there's a lot of um, negative interaction between the public and black bear. But we've got a, a slowly increasing population, so we want to stay ahead of that curve and educate our people as our bear population come up, comes um, increases so that they know how to interact with bear and how to prevent negative interactions. This is Creature Conference, and we're talking with Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, talking today about black bear. Uh, if you have a question for Becky or a question or comment uh, that you'd like to uh, add to the show, give us a call. We've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Becky, you mentioned that uh, some of the most of the bears here in Mississippi actually came from other states. Do they move here permanently or are they transient uh, here in Mississippi? Uh, we have a breeding population at this point. Um, in the um, let me let me back up for a minute. The last documented, um, prior to, to 2004, the last documented breeding in Mississippi was in 1970 or in the 1970s. And so there was a period of almost 30 years where we didn't document any breeding. 
But beginning in 2004, we have um, breeding documented, so we have a resident population of black bears at this point. Now, that's not to say that we don't have some bears that move in from another state and move back out, but we definitely have a, um, a population that is a resident here in the state at, at this point. And that population kind of be, maybe rebuilt because the the bear found habitat that, that was suitable to them and to set up a family, I guess. Right. And so a lot of the decline in um, the bear population can be tied to loss of habitat, clearing for agriculture, um, probably being one of the main main reasons. And so with um, a lot of the the programs, what comes to mind is like the WRP and CRP programs that really emphasize reforesting habitat. Um, though that reforestation then created habitat that the bear could come and forage in and den in and also use as corridors to reach other habitat that was appropriate. And so those sorts of um, habitat restoration activities have done a lot for the black bear. Just curious, a a language question. I think when we say fish and fishes, fishes means different types of fish. Is that the same way with bears? If you had three black bears, it would be bear, but if you had a black bear and, say, a grizzly bear, it would be bears? Or am I... You know? I, honestly, I'm not <laughs> sure. I know you're right with the fishes, but I'm not sure about, about bear. Okay. Just curious about that. Uh, do we have other kind of bear in Mississippi? No, we only have black bear. Now, we do have two subspecies of black bear. So we have the American black bear, which um, is in the northern part of the state, and then the Louisiana black bear, which is in the southern part of the state. Um, and so they're... They're subspecies of each other, so closely related. Um, I think a lot of people would think grizzly bear when they think of bear. Uh, how do the black bear and the grizzly bear compare and contrast? Um, so there, there is difference in appearance um, with the, uh, the grizzly being a larger bear. They can be distinguished because they have kind of a hump over their shoulders, which a black bear does not have. Um, now, not all black bears are black. Some they, they can come in in several different colors, but the majority of ours in the state are um, are black. Um, there are differences in behavior. Um, I'm not as familiar with grizzly since we don't have them here, um, and I and so um, so there are differences. The black bear. Um, Generally, if you are are ever in a situation where you were to be attacked for black bear, they always say fight back. Hmm. With grizzly, they say play dead. And so that's that's one of the behavioral type differences. Now, the likelihood that you're actually going to get attacked by a bear would be very, 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 very slim. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there are behavioral as well as habitat differences also. Uh, and you mentioned varied in color. I would imagine brown might be another color. What other colors do the bear come in? Yeah, so black bear will come, um, of course, black, and then brown. And there are also blonde, where it's it's a very very pale color. Um, and those are the most common. the The brown brown black bears are frequently um, referred to as cinnamon because it's kind of a reddish brown. What about uh, size? What uh, what is the average bear? You know, kind of how big are they? 
Um, in Mississippi, um, adult females are typically around, I want to say, 250 pounds, and males around 400. Um, as you move f- further north um, within their range, you are going to find larger bears. But um, our Mississippi black bears, compared to like a bear up in Pennsylvania or up in Canada, would be smaller. We're going to take another break. When we get back, we'll continue talking about black bear and other Mississippi wildlife with our guest Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Dr. Major still on hand, ready for any pet questions you'd have. And Libby's joining us from Oregon, ready to discuss your recent brushes with nature. Give us a call. We've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll have more, so stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And our guest this hour, Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you miss any of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast. Just use your podcast app on your smartphone, or you can download the MPB Public Media app, and you can watch your uh, MPB TV as well as um, enjoying MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Join our conversation this morning. Still have some phone lines open. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email animals at Uh Let's go to the phone lines, and we'll start off with our friend Timothy calling in from Louisiana. Timothy, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning, John. I'd just like to say I volunteered for the Fish and Wildlife Service at several refuges, and I just enjoyed the heck out of working with those people. I volunteered for over 13 years, and over, t- over several thousand hours a year, and just enjoyed, I mean, boy, howdy, it saved my life, really. So I advise people to get out there and help them, because they've been underfunded for years. Underfunded tremendously. All right, uh, Timothy, always good to hear from you. Thanks for that. Uh, just a bid there. You know, as Becky mentioned, that she was interested in wildlife and uh, did some volunteer work at a nature center, and it helped guide her career. So, you know, uh, maybe if you have an interest in this, do some volunteering. You might not. Uh, who knows where it might end up? Let's move on next. It's Sue in Beaumont on the line. Good morning, Sue. Go ahead. I was just <clears throat> I'm just like want to ask, do, are the bears territorial? Uh, where do they den up? Do they hibernate in the winter? Or what do they eat? Now, how many are there in South Mississippi, would you estimate? Uh, Becky, I think you estimated the population at around 200. Is that correct? Yes, that would be the population statewide. Okay. Um, if you're talking about, um, like, southeast Mississippi down in, in the coastal area, there's a, a smaller proportion of the bear there compared to, um, like, in the Delta and southwest Mississippi. We don't really have, um, as far as I know, the population broken down by regions of the state, so I can't say for sure how many would be there. Um, as far as... Um, What's the diet like? 
Okay, so um, bears, black bear are very opportunistic in their diet, but even though they're carnivores, the majority of their diet is actually plants and berries and um, plant material. So they're not generally going out and, and hunting. Um, most of the the animal matter that they eat is actually insects. Um, they'll rip apart logs to look for grubs and things like that. Um, and then they will feed on, um, carry on dead, dead animals. But the majority of what they eat are different plants, berries. Um, in the fall, they hit um, the mass crop acorns really, really um, hard. So they, they consume a lot um, of, uh, of acorns in the fall when they become available. They, they don't but hibernate like bears up north then, huh? They do den. So they starting, and the females will den first, and then the, the males will den later in the, the fall or winter. Where, where do they and, den up at? I mean, we don't have any caves or anything like that. For them. Where, where do they go? What do they do? Right, and so um, when they den, they will, if they can find a hollow tree that's big enough, they'll go up into the top of a hollow tree and down in the hollow. They'll also den in the base of hollow trees. Now, if you don't have um, that habitat available, they will den in brush piles. Um, they will get up underneath logs or a log pile or a pile of leaves or a briar patch. Um they, they'll den in a lot of, of just about anywhere where they can feel at least somewhat protected. Um, a lot of times it, in areas that are prone to flooding, they'll be on the higher ground. Um, but they can use almost anything as a den. Um, when they do den, females, females that are having cubs, like pregnant females, are generally going to stay denned up from, say, mid to late November through March or April, but the males, they may not den up until um, the end of December, and they may come out periodically throughout the winter. So it's not what you think of as hibernating up north, so you could still see bears periodically throughout the winter. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. Thanks, Sue. Always good to hear from you on Creature Comforts. We've got some open phone lines if you'd like to call in at one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Sue also mentioned uh, in in passing range. So I would imagine if uh, you know the bears originally came from places like Mobile and uh, in Louisiana, th- they must have a, a fairly large range. Is that right? Um, it it'll vary depending on males and females. Males will wander further than females and. Um, a lot of times you'll get young males that, that kind of take off and um, wander around until they find a, a new place. Um, and then if they, especially if there's other bears in that area, then they may settle in a new area. Um, but, but they do have the ability. Uh, off the top of my head, I do not know their home range size. I'd have to look that up. Uh, from a previous bear show, I think I remember this, that they are good swimmers and can actually swim across the Mississippi River? That is correct. Wow. That's, uh, I recently was uh, in Louisiana and went to a zoo there in Monroe, and that's a big river. So I, uh, that's, that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty impressive if you think about it. Yeah. Um, 
uh, our producer Java came in during the break and showed me a little video that he found online, and it shows um, a black bear interacting with a cat. And so they kind of come up to each other, uh, nose to nose, and the cat swipes at the bear, and the bear runs off. So <laughs> is this sort of why the theory, if humans uh, come across one, that you fight back because they're a little skittish? Well, so typically... Um Typically, a bear is not going to approach a person, um, especially unless they've come to associate a person with food. And it's very important that um, you, you really don't want to, to have a bear approach a person. You want them to stay, stay secretive and stay skittish. And so generally the recommendation is that if you, if you see a bear, say, at your house, you're, you're in your house and a bear comes into your yard the best thing to do is to stay a safe distance away and make a lot of noise, and the bear will run off. And um, they are not generally aggressive. Um, and you want them to maintain that um, that skittishness. You don't want them to become comfortable around people. That's, that video that you um, related sounds like a an interesting one. I don't know the situation where that would arise, but but generally, um, the idea is to to make a lot of noise, let the bear know you that de- you're there, but make sure that they have an escape route and they don't feel trapped. Um, you don't want them to um, feel threatened, um, so you want them to be able to escape because that's that's their natural um, impulse is to just get out of there. Uh, you know, earlier you mentioned that uh, part of the management of the population is to make sure that bears don't become a nuisance animal, and so you're trying to keep track of populations. So uh, do you encourage people, if they see bear, to report the sightings? Uh, and if so, how would someone go about doing that? Okay, we definitely want bear sightings reported. That That's going to help track where they are, and as the population does expand, um, that that's really going to be important to know where they're expanding. And so if you go to the um, Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks website, um, it's mdwfp.com, you can click on wildlife and hunting, and then underneath that there's a bear program link. And when you click on that link, there's a big banner that says report a bear sighting. And um, there's a form there that you can fill out online, or you can... um, call the state bear biologist Richard Rummel. There's his numbers on that page also. Um, and so you can report it online or report it directly to Richard. Uh, and you've mentioned a couple times how, how secretive the black bear are. Um, and so we probably won't really see them very often. Are there some signs that you might notice that might indicate that bears are in your area, but the, but they're staying hidden? Um, so obviously um, tracks and, um, and scat are both good indications that um, bear are present in the area. In some cases, if you've got um, folks that are um, have deer feeders out or, or things like that, you may find that the bears have discovered those deer feeders and, um, and have maybe have knocked them over or something like that. So, um, so visits to areas where there there is some kind of food um but usually i think tracks and scatter probably the best um best indicators 
And, of course, with a lot of folks um, with game cameras out right now, there's a potential to get one on a game camera, too. So uh, if we piqued someone's interest this morning and they want to learn more about uh, bear, black bear specifically, uh, do you have any kind of online resources that we might could point them to? Okay, so the um, again, the, the uh, department's website has a lot of good information specific to um, bear in Mississippi. But then there's also a um, website, it's bearwise.org. And um, this website focuses on... Um, primarily the southeast, but it's got a lot of information about black bear there and specifically how you can um, live safely with black bear. And so it's got um, information on how to keep from attracting bear either to your yard or to your hunt camp or if you are out camping or hiking, how to... um, prevent having a negative interaction. So that's that's bearwise.org. I need to take another break, but before we go, Dr. Major, have you ever had an instance in the clinic of uh, a reported uh, pet versus bear confrontation? No, I haven't. I have not had that opportunity, which is probably good. Yeah. But I haven't. Uh, But A lot of of other wild animal uh, type, uh, you know, confrontation, but not the bear. And again, that uh, that little video that Java found—it is a small black bear, so we'll we'll give that to him. But that is funny because that, you know, cats the, their little little bundles of energy there. He was quite fearless because he he slopped that paw out there, and 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 the bear ran off. So uh, it's always fun to to watch some of those uh, wildlife interactions every once in a while. We do need to take one final break this hour. When we return, we'll continue talking about black bear with our guest Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Dr. Major still on hand, ready for your pet questions. And Libby's joining us from Oregon. Uh, Want to hear about your brushes with nature? So give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up the show, so stay tuned. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Creature Comforts. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and we're visiting with our guest for the hour, Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, We have a caller on the line, so let's uh, go back to the phones and say good morning to Rachel, who's called in from Starkville. Go ahead, Rachel. You're on the air with us. Hi. Um, Are bear, black bear, considered endangered? Uh, in our country, and also, uh, please tell me that it's not legal to hunt them. Becky. Okay, so I I missed the second part of the the question, but in um, Mississippi, black bear are listed as state endangered. Um, with our two, with having our two um, sub subspecies. Um, both subspecies are state-listed endangered. Um, prior to a few years ago, the Louisiana black bear was federally listed as threatened, um, but they were delisted. It's been been a few years now, um, but they still are protected in 
um, in the state of Mississippi. So they're they're listed as state endangered. So you can't hunt a black bear, is that correct? Not in Mississippi. Um, there are there is hunting for black bear in northern states, but you'd have to check each state to see what the regulations are there. But but no black bear hunting in Mississippi. All right, Rachel, we appreciate your call. Uh, still time to get in a phone call, and we've got some open phone lines. If you want to join the conversation at one eight seven seven MPB ring, our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. So, Libby, have you ever had uh, an encounter with a black bear when you've been out in uh, enjoying Mississippi's nature? I have never seen a, a wild black bear in the wilds of Mississippi, but had an opportunity back, I think it was 1991, uh, a, a bear was recovered um, by conservation officers that it was a, a, a very small cub and the mother had been killed and another cub had been killed. So, and this little baby was injured pretty badly. And so they called me and uh, we took it to the vet at the Jackson Zoo and uh, Donna, the vet there, the well, the vet tech, I guess I should say. And I think Troy's worked with Donna on projects through the years, but uh, so she took in the little bear and uh, raised it and um, took good care of it because there was no way we could reintroduce it into the wild. At that time, we had, you know, there were no denning mothers here, but we, you know, obviously it was good proof. It was down around Pascagoula River that there were bear there and they were reproducing. But uh, so that little bear uh, ended up, uh, you know, having to be taken care of. So he stayed at our house for a couple of weekends Mm -hmm. to give Donna a break. And a, a honeysuckle was her name, and she was just wonderful. She was the sweetest little thing. And, uh, you know, we fed her a bottle, and she ran around. Our daughter was, um, I guess, maybe eight or nine at that time. And so <clears throat> it ran around with Emily and a couple of her friends, and it would, like, they would climb a tree, it would climb a tree, <laughs> which at first scared me to death because the little bear's gone up in the top of this tree. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm responsible for this <laughs> endangered little bear here but uh when the kids ran down and ran in the house the bear ran down the tree and ran in the house with them (laughs) so evidently they have a very strong instinct to follow behind so it uh, worked out really well and that little bear went to excuse me and went to the louisiana zoo and uh at audubon zoo for a long time so we got to go visit her one time and uh, we kind of thought she maybe knew us, but she had lost one paw and one ear in that um, attack when the, the guy had tried to, he tried to sell her, and that's part of how he got arrested. But um, anyway, it was uh, very exciting, and it made us love Bear and our family, of course, and it um, you know made us realize that we didn't need to be afraid of them at all. Um, we're visiting today with our guest, Becky Rosamond from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Becky, you touched on this uh, briefly, but if you would uh, tell us about the Keep Wild Bear Wild concept and why it's important. Okay, so, um, and this applies really to all wildlife, not just bear, but um, you don't want and you don't want bear to lose their fear of humans. Um, if they become comfortable around people, then... Um, then they're going to approach you closely. If a bear is um, feeding, then, I mean, they're, especially in the fall, 
their focus is um, getting enough food so that they can make it through the winter and building up their fat reserves. And so if they are, um, if they're coming into closer and closer with humans and there's food involved, they could become aggressive. If they are maintaining their wildness, they're not going to come that close to people. If they see a person, they're going to run the other way, like your your example of the video of the bear with the cat. By nature, they are going to be secretive. They are going to tend to run away from, from perceived threats. But if they lose that fear of, of people, they lose that um, their, that natural instinct to then run away from, from threats. And when you start having those negative encounters, um, a lot of times for human safety, what you have to do then is to um, put the bear down. And we don't want that to happen. We want to keep our bears wild. We want to keep them um, a safe distance from people. We want them to, to um, find their own food and not rely on people for food because that's, that's what, I mean, that's how they evolved and that's how they're made is to find their own food. So we, we need to keep them wild to protect them as well as to protect ourselves. Uh, for people that live in parts of Mississippi where the black bear population is, is uh, most uh, concentrated, are there things that they can do to maybe their their yards, their land, their areas uh, to uh, to maybe potent, pre- prevent a potential bear encounter? Right, and so one of the best things to do is to make sure that there's not a food source in your yard. Um, and I'm I'm not talking about you know cutting down all your trees or anything like that, but try not to feed your pets outside. If you do have to feed your pets outside pull any leftover food um, back inside at night or only feed the amount that your your pet is going to eat at one time. Um, if you've got horses or, or cattle or anything like that, make sure that the extra food for those um, animals is either in a container that the bear can't get into or locked up somehow where the, the bear can't get to it. Because those food sources are, are really um, high-calorie foods that the bear would want um don't uh you know don't throw out scraps in your backyard or or anything any kind of food that would would draw a bear in um one of the issues that has arisen in in some areas is uh, bird feeders because again that that seed is a, a high energy um food that would be attractive to bears and so there's guides on that bear wise bear wise website um, suggestions for how you can put up a bird feeder that, that the bears can't get to or not putting out bird seed um, during active um, periods for bears. And so there's a lot of good suggestions on that website, um, but one of the biggest things is just remove any sort of pet food um, or, or lock it up where the bears can't get to it. And that site was bearwise.org. Uh, so those suggestions that Becky was talking uh, about, uh, but earlier mentioned also just some good information generally about uh, the black bear population in the southeast, in, including Mississippi. So, Becky, only got about 30 seconds left. Is there any misconception that people have about bear that you can think of? I don't, I don't know if it's really a, a misconception um, necessarily, but... But just to, to reiterate, 
Um, if you see a bear, it's it's wonderful to see a bear in the wild. Um, any kind of encounter like that is is great from a distance. You never want to try to approach a black bear. You never want to try to to feed a bear. Um, bears don't really like selfies, so that's not a good idea either. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, observe from a distance. And then if they approach, just make noise so they know that you're there. All right. And again, thanks for joining us on such quick notice. We really do appreciate it. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creature comforts. Our show is produced by Jabba Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Becky Rosamond, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. Tune in next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.